not going down just because of something some stupid adults are doing. Mobile suits. Monday, Monday. Camille's a man's name, and I'm a man! Uh, no carrots, please. Mobile suit? Roger that. Mobile suit. Mobile suit. Change. Although all enemies were defeated, Earth did not change one bit! The commander! <laughs> He's lost it! <laughs> every other day, every other day, every other day of the week is fine! You're a soldier here, aren't you? If you want to be more than just a grunt, you better learn to see the whole picture. Uh, yes, yes, sir. I'm the enemy, you idiot! Miss Matilda! Hey guys, welcome back. To another mobile-rific episode of Fanholes Mobile Suit Mondays. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC, and I'm joined tonight by one of my fellow Gundam enthusiasts. Why don't you give a shout-out? Hey, it's Mike, and I'm three times faster than the average podcaster. Yeah. So tonight is a special episode because as of February 28th, 2015, the OVA, Gundam The Origin, the first episode, has been released. It's titled The Blue-Eyed Casaval, and we're really excited because we've gotten to see the English dub and the Japanese subtitled version, and we just wanted to discuss it because we're all kind of hyped up about it and everything. But before we get into the nitty-gritty with that, we thought it might be kind of interesting. I know we don't often do this, but we thought it might be interesting to just kind of go over where we are in terms of Gundam. This episode is probably going to go up pretty quickly as opposed to some of the other episodes. So this will be kind of semi-current in terms of Gundam news and everything. But, you know, as we're releasing this and recording this, of course... You know, it's a little bit after February 28th. It's it's actually almost a month after February 28th. But the the idea is we've got Gundam The Origin, the OVA, being released. And we also know that there's going to be the second episode is going to be released, what, the, this fall, right? Is yeah. That, yeah. So the second episode is going to end up being released this fall. If you're interested in watching this before we go through it, it, it may be worth mentioning that this is something that you can rent on Amazon. You can rent it off YouTube. I believe the Japanese website is called Daisuke, where it's hosted. And I, I, I'm imagining that Amazon and YouTube and all these other places get it through there. That's where I ended up. Uh, you know, YouTube is where I ended up 
renting the English dubbed version and everything. So there, there's a number of places where you can watch this first episode if you sort of, you know, want to watch it and then listen to what, what we have to, to say about it and everything like that. And, you know, in terms of the actual manga it's based on, you know, there is a Gundam The Origin manga, and of course that is licensed in the U.S. and has a number of volumes that's been released. What it, What's the most current volume it's on? Like, volume... Um, I think volume nine is going to be released next month. So okay. yeah, it's like a, I'm pretty sure I've got eight volumes currently. So. Okay, okay. So like volume nine and volume ten are probably on the way and everything. And of course, this OVA is based on volume five, pretty much. I mean, I guess there's some bits from volume four, but it mainly deals with the the manga from volume five, which is titled Char and Sela, and then, in terms of other Gundam news, we, we also thought it might be worth mentioning this was brought to our attention by our buddy Justin, and he also linked this over on the Botok boards and everything, but Right Stuff is the company that currently has the distribution rights to Gundam now in the U.S., since there is no Bandai U.S. division anymore and hasn't been for a while. So that, you know, for a while, I guess Gundam was kind of considered, you know, sort of dead in the U.S. because there was no distributor. But, you know, I, I guess as we've been doing reviews on things like Gundam Build Fighters, where you can watch the episodes streamed and subtitled on YouTube, you know, there, as as we're recording this now, you know, Build Fighters Try has been completed, or almost completed, and then G, what is it, Gundam in Rikungista is being released on YouTube, and I think in Japan it's it's just about finished airing. Yeah, it's so. one tries two episodes away from ending, and Rikungista only has one episode left. So, so there's a number of ways you can sort of watch free Gundam on YouTube in the U.S. And then as far as, like, stuff that, that is being licensed that you can pay for, actually the part one of Gundam Turn A is being released on DVD. And this is over on rightstuff.com. You can actually pre-order it. Technically, the, the release date is June 30th. 2015. So so it is available for pre-order. It is part 1. It's not going to be like all 50 episodes unfortunately, but it's it's a part 1. It's got episodes 1 through 25. It's English subtitles only, so there's there's that aspect to it. I mean, I I I do have to admit I'm kind of saddened that, you know, Gundam is uh, limited enough in the U.S. that not everything gets an English dub, but on the same token, the movie we're going to talk about tonight does have an English dub, so I'm I'm actually really excited about that. It's been, you know, besides Unicorn, you know, it's been a while since we've had a English dub for anything, so, and then, you know, interestingly enough, it is kind of expensive. I don't, I don't even know if I'm willing to shell out the money for it. <laughs> also on Right Stuff, you know, the Origin Blu-ray Collector's Edition is available. The price is ninety nine ninety eight. Yeah, like, for shit. the first episode. I mean, I know it's like a collector's item thing, and I know that, that you know, Gundam is not exactly a household name in the U.S., and, you know, I know they probably got to pay for that dub and everything else that goes along with it, the licensing stuff, but, uh, yeah, it's it's 63 minutes, and, you know... 
hundred bucks. So, so there, there's, there's that aspect to it as well. You know, it's like, it's tough too, because I, I mean, I conceivably at some point, my thought was eventually I would get all the Blu-rays for Gundam Unicorn, but you know, they were originally pretty expensive as is when they were released, you know, probably 30 to 40 bucks a piece for each, you know, 60 minute episode, kind of like this without the collector's item tag on it. And Nowadays, there's, you know, they're not really in print, and the final ones were so limited. I mean, it looks like you'd end up, you know, paying 70 to $80 on the aftermarket just to get one of those, you know, Blu-ray discs. It's almost like you'd be better off buying those DVDs where they put two episodes on each DVD or something like that. That's, but, that's what I ended up doing, yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean I, I mean, I myself, I'd love to have the Blu-rays, but not not for, you know, 400-something dollars to get the whole series or whatever it ends up coming out to, you know? And, you know, even with the, the origin, I mean, if if this is ninety nine ninety eight, you it, you know, you would think the next, you know, three episodes are going to be the same price, too, you know? So there's, there's that, that's kind of tough. I mean, you, you'd think there would be, like, some kind of non-collector's edition. I mean, even if it's only, like, you know, 50 bucks, you know, or something like, you know, maybe that's something that you, you know, you think would be available, but it, it seems like that's what's, you know, available as far as this episode goes. You know? Yeah. I'm, I'm just kind of, maybe they'll come out with a DVD version like they did with unicorn or something. Cause mm, like, okay. and I, I, like I would prefer it on Blu-ray too, but like if I, if I, that's the only way I'll own it then you know, I'm like, okay, well I can, I'll, I'll, I can make that sacrifice, you know? Yeah, the the rental for the English dub was six ninety nine, I think it was. Yeah, so, you know, and I'm just curious. I guess so, since we're about to go into it here, you've seen both the the Japanese language and the English dub. Yes. Mike? Okay. Yeah. So I, I I watched both myself. I I, I waited for the English dub because you know I'm a big fan of stuff like that. But I so that was what I actually watched first. I think. I think in some ways there are some aspects of the English dub I prefer, and maybe that's because my, my old theory that, you know, since I watched it first, maybe I like it better or whatever. But there's some interesting distinctions between the, the, the English dubbed version and the Japanese version. Like, I, I guess, you know, since we're going into it and everything, I, I think, like, the... It feels like to me, having just watched the Japanese language version, I don't feel like the Japanese actors play to the designs of the characters sometimes. Like, it seems like they're off acting in their own little booth and corner and doing, you know, a good job. But it, sometimes it doesn't always match what's on screen, or at least, I, I, I don't know, like, I, I guess, you know, Sometimes some of the character designs and, and certain sequences do appear to be a little extreme or extravagant, like in the way that they're portrayed. You know, in some cases they can be kind of goofy, and it seems like, the, to me at least, the English dub, when things get goofy, they they really play into it, give themselves over to that goofiness. Like, whether you think that's good or not, you know, is one thing. But it, it some of it seems kind of funny, like when people are getting blown up and they look goofy, you know. But 
you know, it's there's the aspect where sometimes that breaks the sense of realism you have, but then there's also the case where the person looks goofy, but then they're screaming their heart out like they've, you know, I don't know, they've just lost their toe or something, you know. So it's like I don't know. What, what what's your take on the the two different versions that you've watched to this point? I, I kind of agree with you. Like, I think I, I, I think yeah, maybe the English dub had like a uh, the the uh, the advantage of maybe seeing some more like of the animation or, or I like I, I'm not exactly sure how the process goes, but like maybe they were directed in a different way or like well in general like I think you told me like we talked about this a little bit like a few weeks ago and like you were saying like how the goofiness kind of went like a little over the top in your opinion in certain cases and I understand sir but he seems quite adamant he says it's a direct order what how dare you defy me you will not harm Darkung's children, or I will certainly make you regret it! For me? Yeah, there's definitely, like, certain examples. I mean, I, I think the, the, the two things I would point to where I thought it was over the top is Lucifer the cat, for <laughs> sure. Like, anytime you see the cat, like, the cat has these big kind of anime eyes... And, you know, if the cat attacks someone, it does that kind of, you know, DBZ after image, you know, the, you know, you see like 40 different images of Spider-Man to display that he's moving quickly. And if the cat scratches somebody's face, you know, you see like the multi arm, you know, you see like the cat like has these almost human expressions, you know. And so in that sense, it's like everything seems to me, in a sense, hyper-realistic, and then this cat shows up. And it totally <laughs> kind of, like, breaks that sense of realism. And then the the only other person that I point to, uh, well, I, I think there's other examples of it, but the, the main person I point to is Dozel Zabi. And, and maybe that's due to, like, maybe the way they want to approach his character arc. Like, it seems like they're starting his arc where he's a big goof, He's got a big heart and he's like very sensitive and maybe, you know, the arc is to turn him into this kind of hard hearted, imposing bastard that he becomes in the one year war. You know, I mean, I I don't want to predict because I I don't know, you know, all the details and turns of the story. But I I mean, giving them the benefit of the doubt, I I would imagine maybe that's where they're going with it. But, you know, there's scenes where, you know, it's like he's the guy who gets blown up or at least, you know, his brother gets blown up in the car next to him. And he's also involved in the explosion. And when he comes out of the car, the animation is almost on a, you know, it's on that, you know, Warner Brothers level of, you know, he's got the soot in the face and he's got these big eyes and he's kind of, you know, you'd think of like Yosemite Sam, you know, and Dozel Zabi comes out of the car like, you rootin' tootin' varmin! You know, and and I think the American cast plays to that. You bastards murdered my brother! Who 
Which one of you is responsible for this? But what's weird is, like, the Japanese cast actually plays against that, where it's like a scene from The Killing Fields, and the guy comes out and is like, You killed my brother! You know, and it's, like, all, like, super serious. So it's, it's, it's weird, because the guy... You know, it's like he's got stitches, and he gets mad, and the stitches break, and the blood flies all over the place, and it, it's, it's just a little, it's a little goofy, you know? I like, think... I mean, at least for me. I think the way I justified it to you was like as I've read the the manga, so like most of these moments like in the manga are like single panels. So it's like the goofiness, if there is any, is like restrained to that like single panel. But like when they have to actually animate these scenes, it's kind of like you know what do they do? Do they go? like, serious all the way, or, like, goofy all the way, and sometimes mm-hmm. they kind of go over the top all the way, like, that, that single, like, when, when Dozel gets out of the car, like, that's a single, like, splash page in the manga, where he gets out of the car, like, the car's on fire, he's, like, covered in, like, blood and ash, and you can kind of see, like, the remains of his brother, like, dangling out of the car, and he's like, you know, which bastard did this, you know, he's screaming, you know, who killed my brother, like, and like, yeah, and, and, and single in the, in panel. The, so but. yeah, but in the film, it's like it's a good minute or so of, yeah. of him doing that. Yeah, I mean, it, I I just think in certain instances they they made it a little more hammy than subtle, and and I don't mean to say like I I, I don't intend to. I I guess I I, I don't want to come off as like hypercritical of it. Like these are just little nitpicky examples. I mean, overall, this is an exceptional piece of work. I mean, it's 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 a great little 60-minute film that's going to lead into other parts. It's heralding back to the original Mobile Suit Gundam. For the most part, the grounded, realistic stuff is great. I mean, it deals with, you know, probably the, the most famous... You know, Wolverine character in all of Gundam. You know, it deals with Shar Asnopol, who in this it's you know his youth with his sister when he was you know Casfall, you know, and and his sister was Artesia, and they basically are the lineage of Zeon Zoom Daikun, who is considered like the founding father of the Principality of Zeon. But this is this is all before it was even called Zeon, you know, this is this is back when it was a colony called Munzo and everything, and, and you're seeing all the the politics and the social scenarios and everything that sort of led up to what we would know from the original Mobile Suit Gundam, you know, the one-year war. So, I mean, in some sense, like, if if I've been derogatory up to this point, I just want to say that this is actually really a great series to start out with. The animation is exceptional, and, I mean, as far as, like, doing the whole Larry pitch, like, I would kind of pitch it as Game of Thrones in space. You know, that, that, that there are these warring factions and families, and even though you think, like, maybe, you know, certain families are on the same side, there's also inner politics, and, you know, you're like, oh, well, the one guy's brother got blown up. Well, who killed that brother? 
his younger sister because she got smacked in the face by him. I thought it would be childish and petty to squabble with Ramba Rall over those three. You allowed him to snatch Daikun's orphan children from under your nose! <laughs> you fool! So there's lots of, like, cool stuff like that. I mean... Yeah, like, like, I like to call, like, having read, like, everything that this, like, animated, like, OVA series will probably cover in, like, the manga form, like, like, I like to call this, like, this is, like, this series, or this story does for, like, Cashfall Dykem or, or, you know, Char, Char Aznable, what the pre Star Wars prequels, like, should have done for, like, Anakin Skywalker, like, shown how this, like, you know, little kid like, became this messed up, like, you know, badass, like, as an adult, pretty much. Who are they? The enemy. Her. My enemy. Your enemy. Even mother's. Everyone's enemy. And I'm gonna take them out. But, unfortunately, we all know how the, like, Star Wars prequels turn out. So. Well, you know, you know what, though, speaking of that, I mean, I know we're jumping all over the place, but, you know, my favorite scene, the best scene in this whole thing is, is when they're, they're in the gun tank, they're on the run, and then they get halted in the middle of the street, and there's three other gun tanks, and the adults that are supposed to be the ones that are taking care of business are losing their shit, you know, the, the only one there who is worth a shit at all is Haman from the original Mobile Suit Gundam, and even she's kind of like a deer caught in the headlights. Like, she's not sure where this is going to go or if she could even pull off, you know, having one gun tank take on these other four gun tanks that are basically halting them in the middle of the road. And it's just this great sequence where, you know, Casval Daikun, you know, who's going to grow up to be Char Asnovel, he realizes, oh, I can control the firing mechanism from the seat that I'm in with my sister and and he's got this great fucking line where you know the sister's like who is that and he's like they're the enemy they're your enemy they're my enemy and then he just fucking goes to town on these guys and it's like that's like the greatest fucking scene i mean i don't know it's like that those are the kind of scenes that are like so I love it. It's cathartic. Yeah. I, for me, like, just like, oh, he's blowing these motherfuckers away. And it's just like, yes, like, finally, like, because cause the, the thing of it is, like, it's it's a it's a very tragic story. You know, most of the story, most of the situation, there are so many things that are out of his control. I mean, he can't control that his father was assassinated. He can't control that he's going to be split up and separated from his mother you know he, he, he a lot of these things you know it, it's like you know when you when you start to identify with a character on like a, a prison drama like oz and then before you know it somebody's like you know broken a bottle and slit their face or you know turned them over and butt raped them literally or you know just done all kinds of terrible things to them and you're just like oh my god like like that's you know, you almost don't want to relate to the character anymore because of how horrible their circumstances have become. But, you know, at this point, it's like it gets to a point where he actually turns a lot of that around, you know, just because of the strength of his character and who he is and his determination and everything. And you can obviously, you know, just as, as a 
enthusiast of the series, but also as a, just a member of the audience. I mean, it's something that's really easy to get behind. Yeah, definitely. Let me, not to change the subject, but, but even though that's what I'm doing, let me ask you, like, I, I, I was struck when I, like, read this for the first time. I was kind of struck by, like, the, I guess the shades of gray that, like, a lot, that are cast on a lot of, like, the supporting characters that maybe you wouldn't have thought of, like, in the, when you maybe heard this story or this background, like, in the original series or, or you know, heard, read it anywhere. Like, for example, like, in, in, I think in the original series, like, you know, it's told that the story that, like, Cass Falls and Artesia's father was, like, you know, the founder of the Zeon movement, and he was, like, a visionary, and he, like, gave, you know, the, the space noids the courage to, you know, ask for independence. But when you look at him, like, in this move, like, you only get him around for, like, five minutes before he's, de he's dead, but he seems, like, kind of a loon, like, he's, like, kind of crazy, and he's kind of overdrawn, and, like, it, it seems like he... he he has some kind of messiah complex almost and you're well, kind of like yeah you 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 are you're exposed to him in a heightened state at the height of what is to be his ultimate betrayal so there's there's a, a strong sense of paranoia from the person but you have no context for it until later in the story, so there it, it's weird. It's it, it's like I, I think it's like written by somebody who maybe sees the paranoia that somebody like Tamino has in a lot of his works, but maybe doesn't quite get it in in a personal way. If that makes any sense, like because you you have that outside perspective where you look at the guy and you go, God, what a loon this guy is! Like you know, basically his wife tells him, you know, or or I guess the mother of his children, however you want to phrase it. But but you know, th there's that opening sequence where she's like, I know this speech is important to you, but you know, take a few minutes, lie down, and maybe it'll come to you. And he kind of you know, flips out and is like, what? Like, I can't, I can't take a rest. And you'd think, like, normally that's crazy. But in the context of his mind, like, he, he has a line where he talks about how he's about to be executed or put on the execution block, like, so he needs to write this speech. Now, I don't think that's literal. Like, I, I think it's more he knows what he's getting into. Like, he knows that by making these declarative statements, by, you know, making this speech of independence for his colony, like, it's going to put him in the hair triggers of all these different people who want to see him dead. So, it, it, it's, it's weird. Like, I, I understand what you're saying. There's this gray area where, if you listen to the original story, this guy is George Washington. You know, he's yeah. he's he's like this this esteemed figure held up on a pedestal. And when you see him in the context of this story, he's kind of a tightly wound politician who, you know, it, it, I mean, you know, there's moments you can see the man there that's maybe the nice man, you know, the, the, the one that 
loves his daughter, obviously. You know, so yeah, there's lots of different yeah. levels to it. You I know, mean, but like, it's like, but there is that weird element of, you know, yeah. I mean, he does kind of freak out. Like it, somebody could be nicer in in that scenario, but then at the same time, like if you actually look at what's around them and what's coming, and he kind of knows that it's coming, uh-huh. you can see why somebody would be kind of unnerved. Yeah, like, well, see, like, the the point where I was kind of like, whoa, like, whoa, chill, take, like, let's overdose on chill pills, like, bro, like, uh, like, like, he compared, like, he says he's going to be dragged off to Golgotha and, like, put on a cross, so I was kind of like, oh, he's comparing himself to, like, Jesus Christ now. Yeah, like, yeah. So, like, it, like, it seems, like, you said, you called him, like, a politician, but I was kind of like, man, he's kind of, like, likening himself to, like, some kind of, like, messiah or, like, savior But, but or see, I don't, I, I don't think the Japanese have that context that we do. Like, if you, if you say that in the sense that you, I, I don't know how to explain it other than the, the likening is not so much that he thinks he's going to, like, rise from the dead and be written about in the Bible for years to come, and that his teachings are going to be, you know, handled by all his disciples and so on and so forth. I think it's more in the sense that what ultimately happened technically to Jesus Christ was he spoke the truth and then he was crucified for it. And I think that's all that he really means in that context. I don't think he means anything more than that. Yeah. Like, like I think he's basically speaking the truth. The earth is getting polluted. You know, you know, there's a certain elite class on the earth. That's why, you know, we've left to go off into space. And, you know, believe it or not, being out in space has actually elevated our intellectual and, you know, basically in some sense, physical level with all this new type stuff that's about to come about. And because of that, like, we need to declare our independence and be separated from the ties that that we have to, you know, this, this planet and the Federation and everything. And that's not anything that a government like the Federation wants to hear, you know? Like, they didn't yeah. invest all this money in the colonies to have these people declare independence from them. So, I mean, everything he says is going to be very, very dangerous. No, this is, like I, I like your explanation for it, and yeah, I just wanted to bring that point up. Here's here's the second like shade of gray, like in group of characters, the zombies. Now, they never come out and say it, I think. And, like, it's probably true, but do you think that Degwin or, or Garen probably actually poisoned, like, Zeonzoom Daikum? Or he just, like, died of, like, a because he was, like, so under stress and, like, of a heart attack? Like, they, they never, like, I don't think they ever actually, like, say it. It's, like, heavily implied and like I, I think like, I think he was poisoned by them, yeah, definitely. Yeah, like a, that's the most obvious explanation. But like at the same time, like it seems like Degwin's just like, oh, this is. Uh, I, I just kind of got the impression from him like this is this is a fortunate turn of events for me, and like you know, and then he kind of he says to Garen like, you need to learn to be a little more you know crafty. He, he kind of like 
let he says let the children go like it's it's the prerogative of the victor to be like magnanimous you know and stuff so like for some reason i got the impression that it was supposed to be more ambiguous i don't know if you got that impression but like i i don't i i think i think Degwin would like it to come across in history as ambiguous. I don't. I don't think that anybody like the. You know how you always talk about like the general dumb public in the Marvel universe. Yeah. Like I think to them it's like, oh hey, that Norman Osborn, he's a hell of a guy. He bought my son like a flower once. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I think that's where Degwin Zabi is. You know, in the grand context of things, it's like he he was. Uh, <sighs> He uh, see, I, I I guess the difference is if 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 Zion Zoom Daikun is Jesus Christ, right? Like, is Degwin Zabi Judas? Like, not exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's more yeah. like it, I think I think Degwin Zabi is more like Peter and Paul running into the Romans and then them going, "Oh yeah, I I I don't know that guy, Jesus. I don't I don't remember him at all. Like, you must have me mistaken with some other." Peter or Paul, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and and I think that's why he's like, you got to be a little more crafty, Garen. Like, it doesn't. In other words, I think I I think Garen at that point is not good at concealing his motives. You know, where it's it's all about you know, oh yeah, well we should just wipe out the whole fucking family, and it's yeah. like, and and I think I think Degwin is more like, well, you know, this this worked out for us. Like, let's. Let's let's see what happens. Like we don't need to be right there, like you know, squishing our thumb over them. Like we can we can see how this plays out, and and it'll you know more than likely it'll work out in our favor because of the way the, we've set it up. You another know? Uh, like another angle to that, which which also like gave me that impression that it was somewhat ambiguous, was that Jim the character of Jim Barral who is, like, obviously Rambaral's father. Right. And, like, clear, right. clearly he is very obviously convinced that, like, the Zeon Zoom Daikum was assassinated by the Zabis. And, like, like he is so convinced and he is so, like, raving and, like, you know, adamant about it that I, I feel like they were sort of, like, pushing you away from that character almost, where he seems extremely, like, unreasonable and, and like, paranoid and stuff, too. And, hmm. Okay. Like so that that's kind of why like and, and he's another one where in the original series like uh, he he's not mentioned all that much but I think they you know Sela says like oh she recalls him as a kindly old man who like helped them like at one point which is clearly not exactly the case but no know. but uh, I I think I think his intentions are good like to me like I never really. I, I never took him as paranoid. I only lost sort of a, a sense of respect for him once he has that moment with Ramba Rawl where, you know, it's like he's locked up in the room and he's got, like, all the guns and he's in the little safe house and then he thinks that they're coming to kill him because basically they've ransacked his entire house at that point. And he's now a defeated politician. Like, he had all these big ideals, and he was a big, big talker. But when there was this immense display of force from the Zobbies, 
that's when he held, you know, he ended up getting holed up in his little room. And, you know, when, when Ron Barral comes in, it's like, you know, he's like, look, we're going to get you off and we're going to send you to Earth and you don't have to worry about this stuff anymore. And he's like, oh, thank you. You're such a good son. You're such a good son. Like, at that point, that, that character was broken. Yeah. Like, and, 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 I mean, at that point, you know, yeah, I mean, maybe to a little girl, it's just a kindly old man or something like that. But it's like, he did have goals and stuff. It's like, I, I don't know that, I, I think maybe it comes from a place of that he thought maybe he should have been Zeon Zoom Tycoon's right-hand guy, and him and the zombies were constantly at odds for being that hand. And it's like, maybe what you're saying, like certain aspects of that paranoia, I mean, I guess that kind of comes off in some of his interactions with his son. Because it's interesting, like, how his son doesn't get overshadowed by the history of his father's politics, you know? Because he's a military commander in his own right, and and there's even that scene where he sort of writes off some of what he's saying, kind kind of like you are, where you're like, oh yeah, that's crazy. Do you really think that they they're gonna assassinate like the kids? Like that's crazy, but yeah. it's not really crazy. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's like it's it it's kind of weird. Like to me, like I sort of wonder, does Rombarol actually believe what he's saying, or is that just to sort of save political face and career in front of an audience? Like, I, I I don't know. It's like there's things you talk about privately amongst your family, and it's like, I think, I, I never thought of him as crazy. I just thought of Jimba as telling the truth in front of people he considered his family. It just so happens that Artesia and, and Casval were part of that. Like, that's why he turns to them you know, even when the the mother is like, "Oh, well, we shouldn't, we shouldn't like tell the children all this nasty business," and he's like, "No, no, no, the children need to know, like, who actually killed their father." You know, I don't, I don't think, I don't know. To me, I always took that as that's that's literal. Otherwise, like, if if there's a gray area to it, then it it kind of, I don't know if that comes up later, like in other situations, but it, it would sort of make Char's goals seem a little less than, than honorable. Like in, in my mind anyway, if that was, if, if it was that gray, you know, if it was like, oh, he's just, he's going to go to town and take out all the zombies because his dad got a heart attack. Like, yeah. I don't know. It just seems a little stupid. Well, see, so, like, like... I'm I'm kind of linking Zeon Zoom Daikum's ravings and rantings about like uh, if the Earth doesn't like repent of its sins, it will be burned away with like Shar's actions and like Shar's counterattack, where he's yeah. gonna yeah, 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 plunge yeah. the Earth into an ice age or whatever. So I'm like, okay, so you eventually like reach that point where your dad was basically. <laughs> so you're not pretending to be leader. You find that funny? No. And are you going to destroy Earth? I won't destroy it. I'm just going to give the planet a nice long rest. But, like, you, he actually had the power to do it at that point, so... Right, right. But, no, no, I, I enjoy, like, like, even, like, 
I might not necessarily believe that, like, it was an accident or it, it wasn't uh, an assassination, but I feel like the movie itself was kind trying to cast more, like... Uh, more doubt in, on, in, Yeah, on, more doubt on it, basically, yeah. Like, it, I it, definitely believe that he was poisoned, but, like, I feel like the movie was trying to showcase, like, all the players in a different light, so you would yeah, think... Yeah, that's true. Lies, all lies! Stinking media! They're always doing the zombies' bidding, damn it! This is all part of Daegu's plot! He's trying to distract the public from Daikun's assassination by killing his own son and making it look like we were behind it! Seriously? Dad? Excuse me? What do you mean by that? Do you suspect me too? Come on, I'd never do that. Do you really think he'd kill his own son for that reason? Even though I never liked Sasra, he was good at his job, and the other zombies thought very highly of him. Mr. Ramba, <laughs> my apologies, but Astraya's asking for you. Hmm? Be right there. Let's uh, let's talk a little about Ramba Raw, like, to say something, like, because like, I thought he was pretty awesome in this movie. I, like, I had this, like, I think I think it's more due to, to all our viewings of build fighters than anything else, but, like, it was kind of funny. Like, I just had this warm, fuzzy feeling when young Romber Rawl shows up. Like, yeah. I was just kind of like, oh, look, it's it's Romber Rawl. Like, and, I mean, it's not that the character didn't make an impression in the original Mobile Suit Gundam. He did, you know, but, but it's kind of like what you're saying. Like, there, there are certain stories and, and kind of straightforward things that are said. You know, it's like you knew, he knew Artesia. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you, you knew certain things. You know that him and Haman have a have a past and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's kind of interesting to see from this perspective. And and, and I think I, I guess going back to that difference between maybe the Japanese and the English language thing. Like I, I think there are moments where Rambaral gets a little goofy, but it's never without context or never within reason in, in my mind, like, you know, it, cause he's talking to Artesia about her cat, you know, like, like that. It's like, it's like you're, you're talking to a little girl and, and not only is she a little girl, but she's ostensibly like a princess, you know? So it's like, it, it, I, I just think like that kind of goofy dumbed down talk is acceptable in that context. And then when he goes back to being Ramba Rawl, like, he's got that same air of confidence, but he's just, you know, what, like 15 years younger, pretty much. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and there, I think in terms of, like, the, the difference between, like, the Japanese and the English dub, it's like when they accentuate that, it's like what you see is a guy who's very, very suave and and very, very confident. And I think I think the actor who who does Rambaral in this exudes that, you know, like where you, you get that from the way he delivers his lines and everything. So, yeah. I mean, that that's kind of what my take on it was. Yeah, I, I really liked, like, they, they definitely showcased how he's, like, a, he's got, like, a nice, like, a poker face, and he's he, he knows how to play the game. Like, I really liked it, the, like, towards the end, 
where like Casil, like him and Hamon are like watching like the ship take off, and Casilia like finds them, and like he knows they've been made by her basically, and that she like she knows what they're up to, but he's kind of like, but our lady Casilia isn't that like harsh, or you know, like she's you wouldn't do such a thing, would you? Because he knows that she probably would let the kids go just to like screw with her brother, pretty much. So. Like, he kind of, like, he sees that immediately, and he says, you know, me and Haman will, like, you know, we'll, we'll turn ourselves in, but you wouldn't just stop that ship, you know? Like, you wouldn't do that. And, like, thankfully it pays off. Yeah, there's there's a certain element and air of cockiness to, to how Rombaral goes about getting getting things done. And, and even to a degree, I think that's why he he, he loves Haman so much. You know, there's, there's that cocksure nature to to how a lot of their operations are now eventually i guess that bites them in the ass with amuro but i mean <laughs> like up to this point it's like they 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 managed to get away with those things you know so and and speaking of Cecilia's brother Girin, like that's another uh, english voice actor who i was like all excited to hear because this is basically like I mean, he's he's done any number of characters, but like for us, like we've covered the video game Asura's Wrath, so he's it's definitely Liam O'Brien who's the same voice actor for Asura. And then like he, you know, if you listen to or or watch like the the Avengers Assemble cartoon, he's the Red Skull there. Or if you like Naruto, like he plays Gara of the sand village and everything. So like there's, I don't know. There's, there's lots of characters that I like and like, I thought he made a pretty good gear in Zabi. Like I, I, I think there is that, that swarmy nature to him, you know, that, that, and, and it, it it's interesting. Like I, and I, I like the choices of, of casting and everything. I beg your pardon, but that almost sounded as if you were giving me an order, Cassilia. No, I wouldn't dream of it. I was just trying to make amends for my previous mistake. I've already given that specific matter plenty of thought. No need for you to interfere. But now that Sosero's no longer with us... I should let you be the mastermind, is that it? Don't make me laugh. Stop worrying about the boy. Yeah, I like when, when he was... He's kind of like to Cassilia, where he's like, Oh, you're the mastermind now? Like, yeah, don't make me laugh. Like, sort of, like... And he's he's just playing like Chinese checkers or something on a on a big screen. I'm like, man, I want that setup. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's and you know it's weird though because I I did get the idea that they they had to make the characters a little more exaggerated to somehow distinguish them or something. I don't know. Like Cecilia feels very, you know, uh, forgive me, but she she feels very bulldyke to me. In, in context of the story, like, like she's a woman, but she's trying to be a man and she's got all this stuff to prove. And, and it's not like she doesn't actually succeed in a lot of her goals. Do you know what I mean? But, but it just seems like it's, it's, it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like if you took Brienne from Game of Thrones and merged her with, um, what's her face, Lena Headley or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's like she's, she's kind of royalty, but she's also kind of like headstrong and not, not quite as, as beautiful in this. Like that there's just something very gruff about the way she goes about stuff. You know, like, like it's, I, I, I don't know how to explain it. And like, it seems like in the original, she seemed a little more, 
I don't know, dainty or something. Like, not that she yeah, wasn't like, dangerous, but but that like she she's a more elegant character in the original, and in this she's more like a you know just a sword, a blunt object, kind yeah. of trying to get her way, you know. Yeah, definitely. And I I don't know if that's just to distinguish her from like the other characters, like Haman and the mother and everything, like because you know there are so many, I guess, nice looking, you know beautiful women in that context, you know, whereas it's like, oh, well, we can't just have another one of those. Like, we need to make her a little different or something. I don't know if you know, you you, you saw both versions, right, you said? Yes, yes. Like, I don't know if you noticed this, but there was, like, some, like, Batman year one, like, PC revision done to the English dub. Captain Rolf, Miss Hamon was successful in her mission. She is something else. Too bad you guys aren't all more like her. Uh, there's a, a point in the Japanese like version where, like Rambar, when they're enacting the plan with the gun tanks, and Rambar oh, driving yeah. around with his guys. They're like, man, Haman is like awesome. Like, and Rambaral's like, too bad she's a woman. Like, yeah, yeah. But in the English version, he says he just says, you guys should be more like her. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that, that's what's funny too is is I I was thinking about that line and it's like, oh yeah, you know, like when I when I read that and I'm like, you know, you could never get away with that now today. Like, especially like just right now in the current moment where, and it's funny because like, there's that weird part of it where you're like, but it's like Gundam. Like, like, like this is like before the seventies, like, you know, like, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but like that, that's partly what's in my head. Like, even though, even though it's in the future and it's like some other completely different timeline, you know, that doesn't even match up with AD type, you know, time, basically, you know, you're, you're dealing with like some other completely different timeline, which is it's, universal. It's 1968. Century. So. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. So there, there's that aspect to it, and and I don't, I don't know. It's like, it, it's kind of that that Rambaral thing too. Like he's a dude. Like, like, and it, it, I, I don't even know if he means it in a derogatory way. He actually, like, that's actually like a compliment, like to from his perspective, you know. Like, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I, that just kind of leaped out at me. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's it's a good thing to point out. Like the difference is they couldn't they couldn't stomach it, so they had to sort of just wash it over. You know. What did you let, let me uh, change the subject to like a more technical aspect of the thing? Uh, what did you think of like like the 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 movie opens up with like sort of a, a flash forward inside the flashback of the Battle of Loam, where like pretty much Shar Osnabol made his name. Yeah. Like yeah. he first earned like the title of the Red Comet and all that. And would do you like the like the sort of the mobile suits and ships are like CGI, but all the like the space and the the characters are all like cell animation. Like do you like I've seen that done in many things, like and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But I, I thought it was pretty okay, like in this. I, I like the sequence. I, I think the only thing that I noticed from, like, a strictly technical standpoint was I don't know that I got as much of what was going on in the battle, but it was it was a lot better to see 
in the English dub without having to read subtitles during that because you could enjoy the action. But then when you were reading, like, the subtitles, you actually got certain staging points of the battle and you saw where it was actually turning around. Because there's a sense of arrogance that's always been part of the Federation Army, and reading the subtitles... Like, it's very clear, like, they're kind of like, oh, there's no way that these guys are going to be able to do anything to us. So, it's like, I could enjoy it in the dub version, but you, some of that arrogance maybe is lost in in that context. It's just Char doing stuff that's, like, really cool. But in in the context of of the, the subtitles, you get the idea that, well, these people are so arrogant, they don't even think that one suit could do anything. And and here's this guy who's like, you're wrong, you know? And, and he takes down, like, four of their fucking ships. And it's like, that's, you know, again, it, on a, on another level, it's like the flash forward. It's, it's basically a parallel with what he does with the gun tanks as a little kid. Only yeah. this is him, you know fully realized as an adult, you know, doing, doing the same thing on a completely different level, you know, much more vast level. But if you, if you sort of discount him because he's a kid or you discount him because he's using a mobile suit and he's not part of the Federation army, you know, like whatever the reason is to discount someone, you know, it's like you have basically, you know, sort of, I guess underestimated your your opponent, your enemy. Yeah, uh, there there is one point of criticism, like I'll give with that battle, and I guess I'll blame this on the direction. Like, there's a point where like the Black Tri Stars, who are like you know following Char into battle and stuff, where they 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 see General Revels like flagship or whatever, and you see General Revel like watching the battle in a brief like cameo and stuff, and they say, isn't that General Revel's ship? And, like, they're like, let's take it out, right? And they totally, like, it clearly, like, they totally demolish the ship, they destroy its bridge. But, you know, like, if you're a Gundam fan and you've seen the original series and maybe you've read some of the background materials, you know that's the point. Like, they say that the Black Tri-Stars are, like, infamous for having captured General Revel at this battle. And, like, General Revel goes into, like, like captivity as a P a POW for a while. But, like, the way... They don't show that. Like, so all you see is, like, this ship that they just identified as Rebel ship, like, them just tearing it apart. Mm. So, like, I guess you're made to assume that they picked up, like, a lifeboat that, like, General Rebel was on. But, like, that isn't really made clear. So I was kind of like, wait a minute. Like, they're supposed to, like, capture him, not, like, kill him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I, I think... Maybe I'd blame the, that on the direction, and but on, on the other hand, like it's not their story; it's Shars, so it's like maybe they wouldn't show that anyway. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I I know what you're saying. I mean, I can I can see it from both angles. Like if you if you spend too much time on that, it's like the the main point of it is to show the parallel with Shar, not not focus on the TriStar guys. So but. yeah. Yeah, but, I, yeah, you see. But what at I'm the, but at the same time, you're kind of like, well, wait a minute, yeah, yeah. It's like because that that one dude, like you know, probably the guy you like to refer to as the the raring to go guy or whatever. 
with the big axe. Like he took, like he slices the freaking ship's like bridge in half. And I was like, wasn't Revel on that bridge? Like, what? Where? Yeah. Where was he? Like exactly? I guess we're made to assume he like evacuated before that point or something. But yeah, well, like you're saying, you you, you sort of have to no prize it, right? Like you yeah. kind of have to like figure out how how it eventually came to be that he is a POW, whether it's like one of those little ball lifeboats or whatever. Tell the court, Bright Eyes, what is the second article of faith? I know nothing of your culture. I, I admit that. Of course he doesn't know our culture because he cannot think. How exactly have space noids evolved, huh? And how are they different from Earth noids? Why is it that man must not continue living on Earth? Tell us, why are all apes created equal? Some apes, it seems, are more equal than others. Ridiculous. Tell us, bright eyes, why do men have no souls? What is the proof that a divine spark exists in the simian brain? Huh? You can't answer, can you? As if someone like you could ever understand. I wanted to bring up something that I thought was interesting, which was the, the character of Rosa Lucia Daikun, who is technically Zeonzoom Daikun's legal wife, who is basically who, who I'm going to call the little old Frieza lady, I guess. <laughs> um, and, like, y y you know what's funny about that is, see, I think this is a perfect example of why the English dub kicks ass, because when she loses it, like, in the middle of her little tirade, because she's mad because, you know, she's like, you little nightclub hussy, like, you just bore his children, you know, like, that's basically where she's coming from, like, the only reason why, you know, I guess, you know, in her mind is, like, you know, besides the fact that she's a little old hag, you know, like, but in her mind, the only reason was because she couldn't bear him children, you know, but, but obviously there were clearly tons of other reasons, but <laughs> In her mind, anyway. And it's like, you can see she's a sick old lady, too. So when she finally, like, loses it, like, I, I don't know what it is. It's like, it seems like the, the the Japanese voice actress, there's like, there's still this reserved sense of honor there. Like, and she doesn't completely lose her shit. But, like, the, maybe that's because there's certain aspects of, you know, I don't know, like, arranged marriages or certain aspects of culture and honor where it's like you, you only take things so far and there's a certain sense of decorum, but it's like the English dub. It's like, she just completely loses her crap and that's what causes her to get so ill, you know, as, as the scene progresses. And I just thought that was like a really well done scene, you know, the the way it goes down. And what, you know what else is funny is, and I just wanted to bring this up for like fans of, of Planet of the Apes. Like, I don't know why, but, but she reminds me so much of Dr. Zaius. Like, cause there's this <laughs> scene, you know, there's this scene basically where it's like, you could put like, tell me bright eyes in front of like every, every like little, inquiry that she levels at, at Zeonzoom Daikun's, you know, the mother of, of his children. Cause she, she has this line where she says, well, you know, thank you very much. Like I've, I've, you know, raised them and, and they will be fine heirs to, to his legacy. 
and and then she she laughs, and of course in the Japanese thing, there's this like oh, you know, where she's doing her little Frieza lady, oh, you know, or whatever. But but basically, like even in the English dub, she laughs. But it's like you could just you could just put like tell me bright eyes in front of all these things where it's like tell me bright eyes, what does the reformation to humanity refer to, huh? Tell me, bright eyes, how have space noids changed? How are they different from earth noids, bright eyes? You can't answer, can you? <laughs> you know, like, and it's like she's just laying all this, like, interrogation. You know, and it's kind of like that's, it, it, it's the same thing where you're like, oh, he's talking about, like, ape theology. It's like, no, I can't answer when the first ape spoke. Fuck if I know about your theology. Like, what the fuck do I know about it? And then, and then of course, they're like, see, you're stupid. You know, and they feel all good about themselves. And it's like, it's that same, like, kind of um, scientific slash theological, like, elite attitude. You know, where it's like, I I know all of Zeon Zoom Tycoon's teachings. And because I understand and comprehend the brilliance that is Zeon Zoom Tycoon, like, I am a superior person, you know, compared to yourself, you know, and you're just a little nightclub slut whore, you know what I mean? Who like popped out some kids or whatever, but it's like, it's such a, it's such a bitter, like, you know, I don't know, emotionally charged, you know, that's why it's, it's got that like game of Thrones aspect to it with all these people that are just, they're so fucking pissed at, at like the hand that life's dealt them, you know? And, and, and it's like when, when, there's this opportunity for her to sort of make this lady suffer. Like, it's like, I, yeah, it's just, it, it's like this vindictive bullshit, you know, where you're like, wow, like, you know, it's like, it's like she didn't even really, you know, in, in her mind, she stole her man. But like, in reality, like, she never had that man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like, it was like some kind of arranged, you know, marriage for, for legal reasoning and, and politics and all this other stuff. But uh, yeah, it's just, it, it's such a weird, you know, kind of thing. ロゼルシア様、私はキャスバルもアルテイシアも立派に育てました。大君の後を継いでも恥ずかしくないくらいには。willing to do anything Tycoon asked. The only thing that I could not do was give him children. But why should it have mattered? It's only children! And just because I couldn't bear him any children, does that mean someone of my stature and breeding should have to lose out to a pathetic little whore like you? And, and then it goes into, like, you know, the, the last night that Artesia and Casval spend with their mother, and then them being separated, and this, this kind of heartbreaking thing where you know, the only way they can get Artesia to leave her mother is she says, okay, well, I'm going to join you later. And she's like, really? And it's like they go into this whole explanation about, you know, how the moon is going to turn full and, you know, that she just needs to count, you know, a hundred times after the moon turns full and then she'll she'll join her, you know, her daughter on Earth and everything. And then there's this, like, sort of... I don't know, it's, it's kind of like sad, like, oh, you guys fucked up follow-up, because it's like the first time they see space when they're in the the cargo ship and everything, and they're looking at the stars and the sun, and they're like, oh, and there's Earth and whatever, and like, and there's this like awkward sequence where it's like, oh, and there's the moon, and it's full, you know, like, oh, yeah, 
you know? So. <laughs> yeah, when she's like, oh, that thing is gonna turn full, like... Yeah, and then yeah. He's like, even, even Caswell's got this, like, oh yeah, we sort of fucked that up. Like, we were thinking you'd be yeah. on the Earth when, when, when you saw it the first time, but you weren't, so... Yeah, I... I really liked that scene where she says goodbye to the kids, and like that was a, yeah. I got a lump in my throat. That was a really like effective yeah. Yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah. There's 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 lots of touching, kind of heartbreaking things between between them. You know, when when they say goodbye, and 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 even just you know convincing her to, you know, convincing Artesia to, you know, that that she's got to go with her brother and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's I funny. Like- though. Like the, the the like I I still I'm I'm gonna defend the Casval for blowing away all those guys, but it's funny how like she freaks out about it, you know? She's like, "Oh, those poor people," and I'm yeah. like, "Yeah, you you were about to be one of those poor people that yeah, got blown exactly. away there, yep. so you know, but yeah. whatever." Yeah, I I really liked how they they kind of. Like, Castle doesn't actually have a lot of dialogue in this movie. Like, he kind of... He gets you know, a lot of, like, looks and stuff, but... Like, you know you know what bugged me, and I don't know if we'll be able to illustrate this on the podcast or not, but there's that sequence between him and Cassilia is one of the few that is, to me, extremely awkward. That's one way to look at it. Or you could say all this began when your family murdered my father. <laughs> and where did you hear that, I wonder? From your mother? No, probably not. I bet it was Jim Baral who put that idea in your head. Miss Cassilia, I thought you said you wanted to discuss something important with me. If all you are going to do is scold me like some little child, then I will pass, thank you very much. <laughs> I am going back to my room. I'm sorry, no offense was meant. Let us return to our discussion then. Like, <laughs> like, and it's not just because of the context, like, it's like, the the music is kind of ridiculous. Like, like, it's, it's, it's heightened, like, it, it, it almost sounds like, like they're at a, a, a amusement park and they're on a merry-go-round or something. I, I don't know how to explain it. It's just, it's just too heightened. Like, it, it doesn't seem, you know, like, it, it just seems like very outlandish. Like, all of a sudden they're in, a, like, a Joel Schumacher Batman movie. But it's just a kid having a conversation with an adult, but they're both in their own ways royalty arguing with one another over what they can do to one another and what power they have in the scenario, you know, like, yeah. I, yeah. And, 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 and then, you know, there's that awkward thing of like, she's jumping on him and it's like, what, what are you doing lady? Like, you know, <laughs> like, I, I said to you, she gets kind of child molesty with, with him a little bit. It, like, and it, it's kind of strange. Like, like, cause it's like all those other people are just listening. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like, It'd be like, I don't know how to, you know, that, that, that kind of weird air of royalty. It's like they can't, those, you know, quote unquote, peon, lowly people, all they can do is get up to the door and stick their ear up and listen. Like, they, but they can't do anything more than that. I mean, they could, but they can't. You know, like it's. Just, I like it's yeah, just like Jim Barrel's like freaking out, like like you know, Caswell's could be being murdered at this moment, like you know, get in there. But they're yeah, all they can't do anything. Yeah, know? everybody's everybody's too, you know, their their hands are tied, you know, within their own brains. You know, they they cannot actually 
do anything. And it, and it's interesting. I mean, he actually has like a lot of backbone in that scene, but and and it should be like probably one of the best scenes, but I I don't know what it is. It's like to me like something's wrong with that music. Like I don't know if it's I I don't think it's the performances, but it just feels like like the music treats it like a little more I I mean I, I yeah, I don't know how to describe it other than it just feels like like kind of outlandish like this this merry-go-round music and it's like it I, I think maybe they could have made it at least in that instance either either no music or or made the music a little more serious somehow like it just yeah, it, like a maybe if they use sort of a I don't there's like a sort of like a char theme and that, that like comes up every so often in this. Maybe if they used a slower, like more ominous version of that, like yeah, sort of like yeah. when he's in battle at the beginning or when he's shooting with a gun tank and stuff. Yeah, because this is this is kind of a battle of, of wits and, and verbal one ups, you know, like you I, I mean from speaking from like an acting perspective, I mean there 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 had to be uh, a situation where if you share a scene with those those two, you know, like they're they're both trying to dominate the scene, and and by the end of it, like you get the idea that even though he's a little kid, Casfall obtains the upper hand. You know, he basically just on his will and his words alone, you know, he's forced her to leave. You know, and that's when she comes back to Girin and the. The Chinese checkers set up and everything, where she's like, "He's he's very strong, you know. Like you should you should probably kill him, you know. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like because he he put her in her place, you know. Like so, it's like it's it's, it's kind of interesting, you know. Yeah, I will say like there always did seem to be like some kind of weird tension in scenes between her and Char, like in the original series, where I was kind of like, "What's what's the deal here? Like, is she?" like into him or something but she's obviously like a much older lady like like i don't know like like is she is he, he like one of her boys or something like what mm-hmm. what is this like so like i thought that was kind of carried over here but like it got really weird since obviously there's a much more inappropriate age gap between them in this movie but, yeah and then and there's also that weird parallel between him and dharma where dharma's like this kind of stupid little kid who freaks out at the drop of a hat and then this kid you know is obviously yeah. not you know he's not he's not about to be bullied or backed down from a fight or anything like that yeah oh like I, i'm sure like going by how this 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 whole series is going to be four episodes or four movies, so they they explore like him and Garma's relationship a lot more, probably in like movie three and four, like okay. extrapolating how the manga chapters like break up. But yeah, like I, I get you though. Yeah, yeah. I think I uh, just drawing it to another parallel, maybe for people who you know haven't had that much exposure to Gundam and and want to get a better idea of the the sort of royalty and politics and all that kind of stuff that we've been talking about. You know, another thing this reminds me of a lot is Frank Herbert's Dune. Like the, you know, if you if you look at Casfall as kind of like a Muad'Dib 
type character, you know, like Paul Atreides, you know, like where it's like Paul Atreides also had a royal father and that father sired him with sort of a, a mistress, if you will, kind of the same way. You know what I mean? Like there's that, that aspect to it, you know, if you look at it. And then of course, you know, Harkonnens were also vying for control, you know, so it's like the Harkonnens are kind of like the uh, Zobbies in this sense, you know, it's this family of gluttons and, and, you know, Philistines that kind of encroach on the, I guess, the, the, the rightfully established noble family of the story, you know, so there, there's, there's lots of parallels like that too, that I, I sort of noticed. I mean, I think if people like stuff like, Dune or Game of Thrones and stuff like that, they'd probably get into this, because, I mean, you know, it's not like it's just mobile suits or just, you know, anime or, or whatever, you know, there's there's lots of, of politics to it, as there usually is in, in regular Gundam stories, but then there's there's a lot of this kind of nobility and, and royalty and different aspects and layers of the, the characters in that sense. Yeah. Definitely, like I, I really enjoyed it, and I'm really looking forward to the rest of it. And like oh, I think yeah. I've, to- I've, I think I'm told, I've told you, there's, there's some like hokey stuff in the next one where, it, like, I'm not gonna spoil it here, but like I think I've, I've told you exactly kind of what happens with Castfall and how he takes like another man's identity and stuff. And I, it's kind of hokey stuff, but it's not exactly new for Gundam. But yeah. like, still, like, like I said, it, it. it you can clearly see how he grew up to be this like badass like guy, and you clearly can see where all his sort of like psychological hang-ups come from, basically, and like you know what, what eventually like where he ends up like in Char's counterattack. Like I think a lot of the seeds are planted, and even where he ends up like in Zeta, and like where like where he tries to you know. You know, it, it basically you can see every, where everything leads. I guess that's the advantage of that writer having the hindsight of having experienced all those stories, right? You know, it's it's yeah. kind of like you you you'd think it would be the same hindsight that somebody would have had having known where Darth Vader goes, but you know, <laughs> but I guess apparently not, so. yes, apparently okay. not. Let me ask you, like. There, there are assorted cameos from other characters, like in the Gundam universe. But the the story, like in in coming chapters, like I know it, the, the the trailer for episode two is out, and you can see like a younger Mirai and a younger Amaro like popping up, and they they do kind of pop up briefly, like in cameos. But like the story mostly stays with like Shar and or, or Castfall and Artasia. But like, would you like to see them like add in more like? You know, like I don't think they even they they have any scenes for Bright in this story, but like, hmm, okay. told, but would would you would you say no to like some additions to like the script or like to the movie that weren't in the manga? Like, I I, I don't know that I'd say flat out no. I'm not. I I don't I don't think I'm such a manga purist, at least in the context of of this particular story. Like, you know, I I think if they worked and and they'd be fun you know like and and they'd move the the plot <laughs> along i I'd, I'd be for it whether it was in the original or not i mean you know we we've had like discussions before i mean there's some things like like i said i i could have done without lucifer the cat 
like just the way he was presented. Like if 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 we got some young bright slaps in favor of uh, Lucifer the Cat, or <laughs> or you know instead of uh, you know uh, uh, she beast Cecilia like waking up in the nude or whatever, like I, I I'd trade that for like you know. I don't know, a young Kai, like, ripping off oranges in the market or something. I don't know. Yeah. As long as it doesn't go into, like, yeah, that Star Wars prequelitis where it's like, you know, miss you, I will, young Chewbacca. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that or it doesn't start doing, like, the Gotham thing where it's, like, everybody's, like, a little kid version, you know, or whatever, like like that. There'll be a scene of, like, baby Camille or something, like, with his mom and dad. I mean, like, I, we're gonna I name it, this kid. Let's give this kid the girliest name there is. Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's like yeah. Camille, and like the little baby's well, there's, probably there's, like yeah. not even a year old. He's like, like name. Yeah, a little little Camille with a rattle, and there's like another baby in the other. It's like, but it's like Jared, and he's still got the <laughs> poofy blonde hair, even though he's a baby. It's like, That's a girl name, Goo Goo Gaga. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I, I would yeah. fully endorse such a cameo. Like, let's see it in movie four. Yeah, baby Jared and baby Camille. Baby Jared still has the poofy blonde hair. You know, he's a baby. Like the, the, the baby, like Jared's like like making all faces and the baby Camille's crying and he like throws a rattle over it at Jared and punches him in the face with it or something. <laughs> And then it's like then it's like all the the Teton babies come out and start mauling <laughs> fucking <from this. laughs> oh, man. yeah no 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 I mean I I I would I I think if if the cameo was warranted and it helped move along the story you know and it it was you know something additional like it wouldn't it wouldn't bug me you know like I I mean at this point you're keeping up with the the origin manga way more than I am so I would just look to you and be like hey did that did that person really cameo or not, you know? And it's like, it, even if it, the answer was no, if it was still a cool scene, you know, and, yeah. and had, you know, maybe some, you know, new layers and nuances to the to the background, you know, I, I wouldn't have any problem with it at all. Yeah. I mean, some people, like, hate that kind of thing, but, like, like some people, like... I know, like, some people would criticize that, like, Bright and Kai did not have such, like, a large role in the original, like, unicorn novels, but, like, obviously for the animation, they probably upped their screen time, because, you know, they wanted to, like, you know, do some, like, fan service, basically, but, you know, some people, like, are critical of that, and some people are like, well, if it, you know, like you said, if it works, then it works, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's kind of like what you always talk about when you when you start reading stories or watching stuff and there's, there's certain characters, you know, you latch onto or, or, you know, that's, that's your boy or your guy or whatever. And, and it, you know, maybe different from story to story. I mean, you, you would think that, you know, Char Asnoble being probably the most popular character in Gundam, it should be fairly easy to have a story with him as your lead character, you know, but, that doesn't mean that, you know, having Romba Rawl show up doesn't really, you know, spice up the whole story and, and also bring another sense of familiarity that you didn't have before this. Because it is Char as a little kid, you know, so there is that that 
I guess maybe some people, maybe there's a hurdle there, you know, where it's not quite, it's not Char the man, it's not Char macking on little girls and everything, you know what <laughs> I mean? It's, it's, it's a little kid Char, so, you know, it's not quite the same thing, and so if that's, if that's maybe a hurdle, you know, it's like, it, it may be nice to occasionally see, you know, a familiar face like Ron Barral, even though he's, you know, albeit he's 15 years younger, so maybe he's not quite as familiar, but, you know, it's like, there. What, what I find interesting about it is, I think Romba Rawl, I never had a feeling of, that's not Romba Rawl, I never had that gut nerd feeling, but, like, I did kind of have that feeling a bit with Cassilia because she was such a she beast of a woman, <laughs> and then and then and then I kind of had that feeling with Dozel, just because of how I don't know the the the, the goofy aspect to it, the kind of like oh Dozel's just a big teddy bear. I'm like he's a fucking yeah. teddy bear that got in the big zone and killed a whole shitload of mothers. Yeah, mothers. like in the, you know in the original, I mean? like, yeah, like in the original series, he's like boisterous, but he's not like a big goofball or anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like I, I mean, I, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and see if they lead the character on that path. You know, like so, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna come down on it too harshly, but I, I will say, you know, Haman and Rambaral were not only fan service and nice to see but when you saw them you kind of went yeah that that would be them 15 years prior you know like you you got the idea that they they sort of fit you know it sort of slid into that role or whatever that you know you can see them turning into the characters they became in the original series whereas the so far like some of the like Giren I think is probably in Garma like, I, I didn't get any weird vibes off them. I kind of went, oh, yeah, these guys, even, even, uh, even, um, what's his face, uh, uh, Degwin Zabi. You know, like, those three, like, seemed like the characters they, they are or would become, but I think Cassilia and Dozel were just a little off. Yeah. Little kid Garma's even like curling his hair around his yeah, finger yeah. or whatever. He has that nervous tick. But I don't know. The, the last thing I'd like to say is uh, just to highlight like another uh, really another really effective scene. <laughs> I, I will say, like you said, you really like the dub, and like I, I like the dub too. But I think I liked. Artesia's scream when she realizes her father's dead better in Japanese. Japanese? And, okay. Yeah, like, it's it's the same reason, like, I, I kind of, I think we talked about this when we talked about Unicorn, where it seems like the the Japanese, like, actors are more willing to, like, really, like, blow out their vocal cords when it comes to a scene like that, or, you know, really, like, kind of, like, dig at the roots of, like, you know, their their own like emotional pain or whatever but i just thought her scream was a lot more like yeah like horrifying in, in japanese and i i would just like to highlight that entire scene which i i thought the direction of that scene was like excellent like where it, it's kind of shot from like artesia's like height like where she's like looking up at her brother and her like mom and her mom sort of like lurches forward and like they're all walking down that slow corridor and like the music's kind of like very like aiding the scene and like 
you know, her father's body is at the end of like that, like those two columns of people and like every step seems like the reality is like sinking in. And like, I, I thought that was a really effective scene. Yeah, no, it was, it was well done. I, I, I think both screams had their, their benefits, but they were, they were definitely done a little differently, you know, because I think, I, I guess I got the vibe that like in, in the Japanese version there's a sense of like fatalism and sort of mm, acceptance to it, you know, like, like the, it's, it's, it's horrific, but it's almost like a scream of resignation. Whereas I think the, the English dub, like, I don't know that she has actually, even, even though there's all those elements that are closing in on the character to make her accept it. Like, I don't know that the, the English dub scream really accepted what had happened. I think she's still trying to push it away, you know, like, like that she's not able to deal with what is in front of her. But I, I think, I think there is some sense of acceptance in the Japanese version where it's like, she's trying to push it away, but eventually it, it kind of all hits her right then. Like, Oh, this is happening. But I think I think I, it's interesting because they they do play her as very naive, you know. So so I mean I think those are both valid interpretations. Did did you have like any like like a standout scene? Like you already discussed some of it, but if if you had to say like your favorite scene, would you? I, I think I think the scene I liked. I think the scene I liked watching the most is where he takes out all the gun tanks. Like I I I yeah. love that scene. I mean I think it's great. So that's I mean that's that's basically what I would point to as my my favorite scene. You know, uh, otherwise I mean in terms of like sort of like heartfelt type stuff. I mean I do. I, I, you know, there's there's the sequences that are obviously very heartbreaking with the mother and the children, and then and then there, there's kind of the gooey, fuzzy, warm cockles of your heart scenes, like with Robert Rawl and Artesia, you know, the whole, you know, like I I know I was ragging on Lucifer, but that's just because he kind of looks goofy, but yeah. it's like the 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 idea behind it, you know, the idea that, yeah. that there there's this little girl and she. She kisses him on the mouth, and he's all embarrassed over it. You know, I mean, like, like, like he's like your your uncle Rawl. Like, take care of everything. Yes, you know, yes. Like, yeah. You know, like there's 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 something about their relationship that was was genuinely touching without it being heartbreaking or horrific. In 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 a context where most things are, you know. So yeah, and you can like in the original series when she remembers Rambaral, you you get that like shot of him holding her up like. Like yeah. that, like so that that was a nice little like no, uh, flashback, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, well, I mean, I, I guess that kind of wraps things up for our our discussion on Mobile Suit Gundam: The Origin, Episode One, which was the blue-eyed Casval. Hopefully, like we said in the fall, there's going to be the second episode, so we will certainly watch that and discuss it and let you guys know what we think of it. But until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. It's Mike Thunderwing signing off as well. Zig-Z. All right, guys. Zigzion, peace out.
And, of course, you know, continue to listen to Mobile Suit Mondays. You can email us, fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We're on Stitcher, Twitter, Facebook, yada, yada, yada. So check us out. All right. Take care, guys. I remember I was, like, worried when they first announced this because I was like, man, there's, like, no, like, mobile suit action in, like, the first, like, manga chapter except for that, like, gun tank scene maybe. So, but I guess, like, they, they added in, like, that 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 flash forward within the flashback at the beginning. Yeah. Like, that, well, that's good. I mean, it, it, it's a good parallel, you know, so. Like they, also, they, gotta, they have to sell Shars like Red Zaku like 50 million times to like yes, every yes. Like, fanboy. Like, it's like, you know, but this time it's got a new hat. Like, <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, we're going to buy it again. Like.